Welcome to Alec Across the States. My name is Dan Reynolds, your host. Today we're coming to you from the road, currently in the Pennsylvania State Capitol, with the Alec Director of the Federalism and International Relations Task Force, Carla Jones. Thanks for sitting down and coming to Pennsylvania with us. Thank you, Dan. And we also have here uh, Representative Chris Dush. Uh, Representative, thank you so much for uh, making some time out of your busy day today. I'm glad to. So, Carla, what brings us to Pennsylvania today? We're here to hear Representative Dush introduce legislation to commemorate November 7th as Victims of Communism Day. Oh, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Representative Dush, this seems like a pretty straightforward uh, issue. Why would anyone want to oppose this? Well, I have a feeling, given what is going on nationally with the, uh, the fall and decline in viewership with uh, the mainstream media that has been basically pushing socialist agenda and ultimately communism, that uh, we're seeing their last gasp and uh, they get a little bit uh, off the hook whenever that kind of uh, whenever they see themselves getting to that point Uh, I think people are waking up unfortunately we've got a huge number of people who are not educated about socialism it's interesting recent poll came out that while uh, a majority of our Millennials may be in support of socialism practically none of them know what it is and the same thing with communism it's even less knowledge on uh, what communism is yeah so there's that Rasmussen poll that's out there that has a lot of Millennials being in favor of socialism but then also being very in favor of having the government do less, which is pretty funny when you put those two things together because they shouldn't be together, right? Well, that's correct. They, uh, communism and socialism are about control. The Pennsylvania Constitution, the U.S. Con- Constitution, give people property rights, that they have the inherent right to property and to be secure in their possessions. In a Soviet or Chinese uh, communist type uh, environment, you don't own anything. The state owns it. And when they took possession of it, they took it from the people. And that's why those revolutions became so bloody, because they were taking from the people that which was the property of the people. One of the things that I thought was really powerful was your speech on the floor today. And it was where you told stories about what life was like under past communist regimes. What stories do you wish Americans understood better about past and present communist regimes? Well, it's interesting. There's a book that came out that was printed by the Harvard Press. Uh, It was six socialists that, uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union, six socialists from France decided they were going to go and take a look at the actual documents of the the establishment of the Soviet Union. And it was the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. It it became a full-blown communist regime. But uh, I'll give you one example. It was, uh, this is fr- an instruction from uh, Vladimir Lenin uh, via telegram to the Central Executive Committee of the Penza Soviet. Comrades, the Kulak ups- uprising in your five districts must be crushed without pity. The interests of the whole revolution demand such actions. 
for the final struggle with the kulaks has now begun. You must make an example of these people. One, hang. I mean hang publicly so that people see it. At least a hundred kulaks, rich bastards, known bloodsuckers. Two, publish their names. Three, seize all their grain. Single out the hostages per my instructions in yesterday's telegram. Do all this so that for miles around people see it all, understand it, tremble, and tell themselves that we are killing the bloodthirsty kulaks and that we will continue to do so. Reply by reply, saying you have received and carried out these instructions. Yours, Lenin. And then this P.S. P.S. Find tougher people. This was because the terror campaign that they were waging against their own citizens was so bad that the people in government charged with carrying these acts out actually were starting to resist a little bit. And I'll give another one here uh, at the start of the Red Terror campaign. The time has come to put a stop to all this weakness and sentimentality. All the right socialist revolutionaries must be arrested immediately. A great number of the hostages must be taken among the officers and the bourgeoisie. The slightest resistance must be greeted with widespread executions. Remember, this is executions of their own citizens. Provincial executive committees must lead the way here. The Chekas and other organized militia must seek out to arrest suspects and immediately execute all those found to be involved with the counter-revolutionary practices. Leaders of the executive committees must immediately report any weaknesses or indecision on the part of the local Soviets to the People's Commissariat of Internal Affairs, basically the, the people that were in charge of carrying out these executions. If they were... Uh, showed any weakness or any inclination that they really didn't want to be doing it, they were told on, and then they ended up facing similar problems. Yeah, and by and by weakness, of course, we mean not wanting to murder their fellow citizens, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, when these, when the, the whole premise behind socialism and communism is that there are a few elites who figure that they know better than everybody else. And because of their elite status, they believe that they should be able to take control of the means of production, uh, take control of people's property, and subjugate them, the everyday person, to being basically serfs and slaves of the state. You also mentioned the raising of the PRC flag in Philadelphia. Would you like to relate that story to us? Mayor Kenny, uh, along with Mayor Bloomberg and some others, uh, I know Mayor Kenny did it in Philadelphia as well as uh, the mayor of Boston, but uh, the very fact that people who should know better are raising that abomination of totalitarian terror over the birthplace of freedom is to me appalling. They should know better. Uh, and the, the bad part is my inclination is that the mayor is doing this because of the Philadelphia 76ers and some other things that are going on. But that's the, the pressure that China is putting on the NBA and uh, others is a mere reflection uh, 
of what they can get, what they're trying to get away with outside of their own borders. What's going on inside is so much worse. Uh, the Uyghurs that we heard from today, the, uh, the atrocities that are going on now, people are being uh, picked up, children are taken away, given new names so that the families can never find them. Uh, people are being incarcerated. International reports now showing that uh, the Uyghurs and the Fulong Gong are actually being subjected to having their organs harvested, possibly while even alive. And uh, lines, express lanes, literally at the airports for the people who are coming there for uh, organs, uh, just so that they can get there in time that those organs can be transplanted. It's it's horrendous. It's a huge moneymaker, apparently, for the Chinese. But uh, yeah, at least while we are talking a lot about uh, some pretty devastating stories, um, firsthand accounts from uh, the different individuals speaking on behalf of or speaking with the victims of Communism Foundation. Um, and, you know, you taking some firsthand accounts from the Black Book of Communism, um, there is some elements of inspiration. If you look at uh, the people in Hong Kong themselves, right, they're singing uh, the United States national anthem. They're they're holding up the United States flag, um, which the NBA isn't very happy about, um, actually. <laughs> so we're going to be speaking with them uh, on a later podcast. But um, the Victims of Communism uh, Foundation actually passed out um, in our, where we work in Washington, D.C. at the Wizards game. Um, passed out uh, free Hong Kong t-shirts is what it said um, uh, very artfully done um, which is a really great way to kind of push back on some of these uh, evil forces negative forces whatever you want to call them but I think what's also really important um, to educate broadly which would be really I think the success of having a in Pennsylvania, or hopefully in the entire United States, having a Victims of Communism Day, right, which would be the goal of yes. uh, this legislation. What are the next steps for the legislation? Well, once it's passed here in the House, it's a formal resolution. Uh, Senator Kristen Phillips Hill has a similar resolution over in the Senate. Uh, We've kicked around the idea of making it actually a bill that would make a statewide day. But I think, quite honestly, when we have these discussions uh, annually, annually with these by the form of these resolutions, it gives the opportunity to make sure that the legislature is actually hearing what is going on. And uh, I think, by extension, we can take that back to our own constituents. So I think it's important. And what do you think about educating kids in the schools about this as well, perhaps somehow incorporating it into civics education? I think it's very important that we do. Uh, it's quite obvious, given the, the sentimentalities of the people in the survey that was uh, cited, that uh, if you don't do this, people start leaning towards uh, that kind of a government system because it all sounds good. You know, it's free stuff for nothing. But then what's funny is they get out of college and then they look at their first paycheck and they're taking how much money out of my check? <laughs> <laughs> Holy mackerel. Well, <clears throat> the people who uh, are going to end up having to pay for that so-called free education are them by another means whenever they get out. And it's nothing in this world is free and the uh when you 
take things by the use of force. Frederic Bastier wrote uh, two excellent books, uh, The Law, and the other one was uh, The State. In his book, The Law, he, he, he said something, and I'm going to be paraphrasing it, but I, used, I have a law enforcement background, and he said, all government is force. We're compelling somebody to do, compelling the people to do something or not to do something. But at the end of things, it was always at the end of a musket or the guillotine in his day. Uh, as a law enforcement officer, we're trained on the use of force all the time. So I'm intimately aware that all government is force. What the, uh, uh, the socialist and communist governments do uh, just out of a natural extension of the what the Marxism is, is they take because human beings don't have rights. The state dictates what you may have. You, there is, there is really power. no such thing as rights. Yeah. Uh, we have in America, the uh, Pennsylvania's Constitution and many others are set up on the. Uh, doctrine of first principles. And this goes back beyond Greek and Roman to uh, law to Mount Sinai, actually. That in a covenant relationship, which uh, is what our constitutions are, it starts out, uh, Pennsylvania, it's we the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, grateful to Almighty God for the blessings of civil and religious liberty, and humbly invoking his guidance, do ordain and establish this constitution. It's the people, it's a covenant between the people and their God. Article one in Pennsylvania's constitution are the Bill of Rights. Most, most other states, it's the same way. And it's the rights of the people. There are no rights to the state. Then comes the legislature. And you gotta remember, if there's a question down in the later articles that conflict with the things that are at the first, the under first, first principles, supreme. the first has precedent. So the legislature, they, they are the people who write the law. And then Article Three is the law. The executive and judiciary are purposely under the law, both literally and figuratively. Unfortunately, both with our courts and the executive, a lot of times we forget that in this country. And the, the, there are people who are interested, have a self-interest in making sure that we don't make that connection. Yeah. The people are the only ones who can change the uh, the Constitution. Madison's got a great quote on it in Federalist 53. Uh, but the uh, the no no changes like the Pennsylvania Constitution have happened since 1791 except by the vote of the people. We can propose it in the legislature, but it's the people who have the ultimate decision. We have the rule of law. In China and other uh, uh, regimes uh, that are totalitarian, that which Marxism always ends up being, those regimes, the people in power, are the ones who ha have all of the authority. Well, that does bring us to the end of our segment today. I'm really looking forward to getting more of the word out, ed educating some more individuals, educa educating some more of your own fellow state legislators, sounds like, perhaps. Um, thank you very much for uh, stepping into our podcast booth set up in your very own office uh, this afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. And thank you very much, Carla Jones, for hopping on the podcast as well. Thank you, Dan. And with that, we're out. Thank you uh, for listening. If you have an idea for the Alec podcast, please email across the states at alec.org and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.